right back up uh, where we left off, verses 8, 9, and 10 today. And if you'll remember, uh, the book of Ephesians is kind of structured uh, where, where, the, where the doctrinal elements, if you will, are in the first three chapters. In other words, the first three chapters talk a lot about what God has done, uh, who God is, uh, what's the nature of salvation, the nature of what it means to be a Christian. And then uh, 4, 5, and 6 are, are chapters that deal a lot with how, how, how does that play out in, in, in our lives? What, what's the practical application of that? And so uh, if you're wondering, you know, man, it just seems like we're on a, a certain theme. Well, we are kind of on a certain theme. And, and it's just basically the, the structure of the book of Ephesians. And so we're going to look, uh, continue looking at that today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father, we thank You for uh, Your grace. God, I pray that You'd help us to get uh, a hold of that today. Uh, What it means that that You are a God of grace, that we are saved by grace. Uh, Father, I pray that You would help us as we think about faith today. Uh, Father, we know that, that we live uh, as Christians by faith, that faith is, is the, the ocean that we swim in, uh, that every day um, in, in everything uh, we are to be people of faith. And Lord, I, I pray that you'd help us to, to understand that in, in increasing measure, uh, what that means, what that looks like. Uh, Father, I pray that, that the good works that are talked about in this passage that you've already ordained, you've already... Um, chosen, and Lord, I pray that we'd walk in them. Uh, I assume, Lord, that means today. Today there are good works that you've saved people in this room to do. And Father, that's exciting to me. And and I, I pray, Father, that we'd walk in those. Father, please teach us about salvation this morning. I pray for the power and the instruction of your Holy Spirit. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the clearest descriptions of uh, salvation is, is right here. Uh, if, you, if you're looking for a place in the Bible where you can just kind of grab onto and say, okay, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be saved? How's that, how's that work? What does that look like? Man, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is, is that place in the Bible, one of those places in the Bible. Uh, it, it's incredibly uh, clear in that it has all the components. You know, we start with grace, we go through faith, we, we move into works. Uh, it, it's really just set up perfectly to, to summarize or explain to us the design or the mechanism, mechanics, the process, however you want to put it, uh, of salvation. Now, now, first of all, we have to start with, with what it says in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved. Now, now, I don't want to take for granted that that makes sense to you. Because that may not make sense to you. You know, what, what do we mean by saved? Um, I think a lot of people, if you didn't grow up in church or if you're not really familiar with the Bible, you might say, well, saved from what? You know, I mean, saved doesn't make sense unless, unless there's some kind of peril, right? Unless there's some kind of danger. Uh, I mean, what, what are we actually talking about when we say saved? Because Christians use that all the time. And it's fine that we use that, that we talk about, well, when I was saved or did you get saved or so-and-so got saved. Uh, we, we use that a lot. That's fine. It's used in the Bible. Paul uses it right here. It's a fine term to use. But what does it mean? And, and in understanding, we have to understand saved from what? 
what? Saved from a car crash, saved from cancer, saved from a horrible family reunion that you didn't have to go to. I mean, what, 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 what is the peril? What is the, the, the disaster, the thing that's coming down upon us uh, that, 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 that has caused us to say, I have been saved, okay? Or, or the Bible describing uh, what it means to be a Christian as, as being saved. Worse yet, I think, I think another danger here is that what, what it means to you may not be what it means in the Bible. Does that make sense? I, when I hear people talk about saved, I've heard people talk about it in the context where I thought, you know what? What they're saying is really not what the Bible's saying. I mean, they're, they're using that word in a way that the Bible doesn't use that word. I, I, my kids do that a lot, not just with saved, but just with words, you know? I mean, they'll get on a word and they'll be using it. I'm like, okay, the way you're using that word is, is not really what it means, okay? I'm not sure what you think it means, but that's not what it means. And, and saved is one of those words that, that I think can be really confusing when people talk about it. What exactly does it mean to be saved? Well, first of all, we have to understand what are we saved from? When, when the Bible says saved, what, what's the peril involved that we are being saved from? And if you've been here the last two weeks, that's exactly what we've been looking at. In chapter 2, verse 1, it talked out, start, started talking about how we were spiritually dead. Okay, And then last week, we, we, we looked at verse 5 that told us what God does about that. In verse 5, it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And so, so first of all, the, in the context of being saved, we have to understand we were spiritually dead. Everybody who's ever, ever been born, who's ever living, spiritually dead. That's the way we enter this world. And what it means to be saved is that God makes us alive. Okay, In the Bible, it talks about that as, as being a new birth, as being a new creation. And so God brings us to life spiritually. Second of all, we talked about in the last couple of weeks that we are separated from God, separated from Christ. We'll look in verse 6 from last week. It says, and he's raised us up with him, with Jesus, and seated us with him, with Jesus, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Very, very clear picture there that we are joined to Christ. Okay? So what does it mean to be saved? Well, it means you were dead and God makes you alive. It means you are separated from God and now you're joined to Jesus Christ. We had several baptisms last week. That's the picture of baptism. It's the picture of being joined to Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. Well, thirdly, if you, if you remember from two weeks ago in verse 3, it said we are children of wrath. Now, what does that mean? By nature, because of our sin, because of our separation from God, we're in a position where God's wrath is about to come down upon us for all eternity because of our sins. Well, what does salvation mean? What does it mean to be saved? It means what we looked at in last week in verse 7 that says, In the coming ages, God puts us in this position where he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So we start out in a position where, where we're just awaiting God's wrath to come down upon us. When God saves us, he puts us in a position where he says, Now I'm going to dump the riches of my kindness upon you. For all eternity, okay? So there's the, in the context of what we've been looking at, looking at, that's the picture of what it means to be said. Saved, you were dead, God makes you alive, you were separated, God joins you to Christ, you were under God's wrath, God puts you in a position where He's gonna dump His kindness into your life for all eternity, and that would be a good picture of what it means to be saved. Now, if you don't embrace those truths, then it's going to be difficult for you to be, number one, excited about salvation, and number two, really even desire salvation, okay? Because again, if you don't know there's peril, if you don't feel that in your heart, that you're dead, that you're separated, that you're under God's wrath, then, then salvation is not going to be sweet. It's not going to be exciting. It's not going to be desirable. 
You know, I mean, if you're out swimming in the ocean, if, if you're a snorkeler, I love to snorkel. And if you're out snorkeling in the ocean and, and there's a boat that comes by and this guy wings a life preserver right at your head, you know, it's bam, right in the head, you know. Okay, first of all, that's going to be pretty offensive if you don't believe you're in any peril, right? I mean, you're just snorkeling, you're having a good time, you're looking at the reef, you're looking at the fish, and here's some guy hitching the head with a life preserver. Now, if this guy knows something you don't, okay, maybe what he knows is, is you're about to have a cramp and go down to the bottom of the ocean, or you're about to get sucked into a current and go out to sea, or there's a school of great white sharks underneath you about to tear you limb from limb. If you know those things, the life preserver, even if it hits you in the head, is going to be something desirable, right? And in the same way, the gospel is only desirable if we understand the peril that we're in. Now, if you understand that, if you believe that, if you embrace what what Ephesians 2 has been telling us about ourselves, that that is really true, then what the gospel says about Christ and about salvation and about grace and about faith is going to be a sweet thing in your ears. Okay? So let's talk about this. So that's what it means to be saved. So now, how is a person saved? Well, the overwhelming emphasis of this passage, all right? The thing that's mentioned several times so we know... The Bible really wants us to get this, is that we are saved by grace, okay? So just just the the, the summary answer, how are you saved? You're saved by grace, okay? That's the big answer. That's the main thing that we need to understand today. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved. Now, what is grace? We're dealing with big stuff here today. We're dealing with grace and faith, two, two topics that really define the rest of what the Bible says about, about, about salvation, about the gospel, about everything, okay? So, so what, what is grace? Well, grace is God out of the overwhelming fullness of who He is, fullness of His character, lavishing His riches, His loving kindness upon those who have no right to have them. Okay, that's what grace is. Grace is you you don't have any right to have what God has to give. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You shouldn't have it. Okay, but God, out of who he is, out of his character, out of his richness, of of, of the fullness of who he is, gives that to us, puts that on us, bestows that to us. That is what grace is. Now, let's be as clear as we can about this. You don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to be saved. We have not earned it. Here's the thing. We have not done one solitary thing in our entire lives that could, in the smallest of ways, gain any merit with God. Okay, is that, is that clear? Uh, I mean, we, we've not done one thing in all of your life. Okay, you've not done one thing. That was good enough to, that God would say, oh, wow, did you see that? Man, okay, I think I want this guy. I think, I think this guy, man, come on into heaven, okay? You know, we've not done one thing in the smallest way. And you say, man, I think I have. No, you, you really haven't. I mean, that's what the Bible says. You have not done that. And not only that, but the Bible says, by nature, we talked about this two weeks ago, by nature, we really, we don't think that way. We, we don't care about those things. We, we're not wired to believe those things because we're spiritually dead. That, that's in, in our lost condition. And you know, the Bible says we don't even seek God on our own. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one even seeks for God. 
It is only by grace, only because God is bursting full of of mercy and loving kindness and, and generosity that he saves, that he makes alive, that he joins us to Jesus, that he places us in a position where, where we, we receive his kindness forever and ever. Folks, that's what it means when it says, by grace, you have been saved. OK, is that, does that make sense? It, it's grace. It's, it's God's generous fullness. That, that's the power. That's the mean. That, that, that is how we are saved. Now, the next question, which is really what we're going to deal with the rest of the sermon, is, okay, but how is that applied to my life? Okay? How is that applied to your life? Because it's obviously, even though God is gracious, okay, not everybody's saved. The Bible is very clear about that. Not everybody will be saved. Not everybody will come to Christ. Not everybody will repent. Not everybody will be forgiven. Not everybody will be joined to Christ. Some people will perish in a, in a place the Bible calls hell for all eternity. And so, so if God is gracious and we have God's grace, then, then how is that grace connected to the life of a sinner? Okay, and the answer to that question is faith, okay? Faith. God's grace is applied to our lives by faith. Now, now let's be clear again. How are we saved? It's not, we're not saved by faith. We're saved by grace. By God's grace. Faith is simply, and, and all illustrations will fail here, okay? So if, if I say one and you're like, man, I'm just not sure. Okay, I'm sorry, okay? But, but I'm trying here. Faith is the conduit through which grace flows. Okay, that, that's kind of the way I look at it. We've got a lot of pipeline people in here, right? The oil field pipeline, you know, you kind of deal in those terms. Okay, that, that's kind of the way I think of, of faith. Faith is, is the pipe through which grace flows into my life. Okay, or, or, or you may, we got some bicyclers. Okay, I, I like, kind of like the bicycle illustration. Uh, I, I, one time I, I brought a bicycle up on stage and, and kind of showed this, but I, I didn't get that done today. But, you know, where's the py- power come from in a bicycle? Well, obviously it, it comes from the rider, right? This is the big difference between a bicycle and a motorcycle. Okay, if you didn't know that, all right? Both have two wheels, but the difference is the power from a bicycle comes from the guy riding it, right? Okay. So that would be grace, because that, that's the power. All right, but, but the way that, that, the, that the power gets to the back wheel to propel the bike is through a little mechanism we call a chain, okay? You see, the chain connects the power of, of the rider to the back wheel of the bike that propels the bike. If you don't have a chain, or if your chain falls off, that ever happened to you before when you're riding a bike, you know? Chain falls off, you're, 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 you got all the power still there, but none of the, none of the propulsion, right? Okay, because the chain is, is the means by which the power gets to the back wheel. Okay, in the same way, similar, similar, again, not perfect, but similar, faith, by faith, we're joined to the grace of God so that the grace of God flows into our lives. Some, sometimes I like, to, I like to describe faith as a trigger, okay? And again, all these illustrations, they kind of hit at different points of it. None of them are perfect. But I, I always think like a gun, okay? You got all this power harnessed behind, but, but, but the power is not unleashed until there's a trigger mechanism, right? Right? And the trigger mechanism is faith. And that's true not only in salvation, but that's true in all of the Christian life. Okay, We're talking this morning about salvation, but actually that's true in the rest of the Christian life. Okay, By faith is, is the way that we receive the grace and the power and the goodness of God, the work of God in our lives. It always comes by faith. Paul says we walk by faith and not by sight. If we look in the book of Galatians, listen to what Paul said about himself. He said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, my life right now, the way I live it, it's, it's live by faith. Okay? 
And faith is that, that means by which we're connected to the grace and power of God through which it flows into our life and our life is changed. Okay? So what is faith? Next question. Series of questions today. Okay? Saved by grace. How is it connected to our life? It's connected to our life through faith. What is faith? Well, man, faith is, is huge. I, you know, I struggle to even, what, what parts do I put in here? Okay, because there's lots of different ways we could talk about faith and explain faith. Here's the first thing I want to say to you, though, okay? Because I think we've got to get this. Faith is, first of all, focused on Christ. Okay, now maybe that seems too obvious or, or too silly to even mess with, but, but really I think it's crucial that we understand that. Faith is focused on Christ. It is looking to Christ, okay? Anytime there's faith in your life, the thing you're going to be doing is you're going to be looking to Christ, okay? You're going to be looking away from yourself. You're going to be looking away from your problems. You're going to be looking away from, from your weaknesses or your strengths or your abilities or your, your circumstances. You're going to look away from that stuff, okay? If you have faith, and you're going to look to Christ. It's going to be a focus on Christ. It's going to be a dependence on Christ. It's going to be a valuing, a treasuring, a yielding, a pursuing, a seeking Jesus Christ. And so in a lot of ways, because of our sinful nature, we're sort of hamstrung to faith. And the reason is, is because we don't do that by nature, okay? By nature, what do we do? We, by nature, we look at ourselves, don't we? That's really hard to overcome, isn't it? But, but by nature, that's, that's what we will do. We will look at ourselves. We'll focus on ourselves. We'll think about ourselves. We'll, we'll hyper-focus on who I am and what I can do and what I can't do and what someone said about me. And, and I mean, that's just, that's just the world that we live in. The, the, our brokenness is, is that we don't look to Christ. We, we, we don't center our attention and, and our dependence and, and our eyes upon Jesus. We center them upon ourselves or upon other people. And so faith is, is the shifting of that. Where all of a sudden I'm not hyper-focused on who Jason is and did I look good and well, was that okay and, 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 and what's that going to mean for me. All of a sudden there's a shift in my life. I'm not looking at me. I'm not looking at my problems. I'm, not looking, at, I'm looking at Christ, okay? So there's a fundamental shift that happens in us that, that, that enables or empowers or the process of faith. And that is looking away from ourselves and looking to Christ. Grabbing onto Christ. Saying, Jesus, you are sufficient for everything I need. Sufficient for salvation, for forgiveness, for satisfaction, for sanctification, for everything. I'm looking to you for all that I need in my life. Everything. I'm looking to Christ. Okay? Now that involves, and, and you've probably heard the, this breakdown before, and some people like it, some people don't like it. I think it's helpful. I think that involves everything in us, okay? I think faith is, is a whole body motion, okay? I think it involves our mind, okay? There's a process by which faith comprehends who Jesus is, okay? Uh, who, what he's done, what he will do, the promises of God. Faith involves the mind. In fact, Romans ten seventeen talks about how, how faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's one of the reasons that we study the Bible. That's one of the reasons that we read the Bible. That's one of the reasons that we preach and teach. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. When you hear and understand who Jesus is, what he's done, what he promises... Who you are. That stirs up faith in us. It comes from the scripture. It comes from the spirit of God. Uh, a verse we look at a lot here at Lincoln is 2 Corinthians 3.18. And it says, we all with unveiled face are beholding the glory of the Lord. Behold means to see. We're seeing the glory of Jesus. Okay. And we're being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. And so through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit... 
we see who Jesus is. We comprehend him with our minds, okay? And, and that's part of faith. faith that's, got, that's got to happen for faith to happen. Psalm 910. Let me find it here. Psalm 910. It says, And those who know your name... What's God's name? His name is His character. It's who He is. It's His attributes. It's His glory and mercy and power and faithfulness. Those who know your name put their trust in you. You see, there's an element by which we have to comprehend who Christ is with our minds in order to put our trust in Him. Now, here's where we can go wrong, though. Faith is not simply the mind alone, okay? It's not simply knowing facts about God. You're going to find people all over who would say, I have faith. And what they mean by that is I believe certain things about Jesus. You know, they got a little checklist. Jesus was the Son of God. Uh, Jesus is the only God. Jesus died on the cross. Uh, Jesus was, was raised from the dead. And Jesus loves me, okay? It's like, do you believe, do you, do you affirm those things in your mind? And many people would say, yes, 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 yes. I affirm, I, I, have, a, I have a head knowledge that I believe those things are true. Is that salvation? Is that faith? I don't think it's saving faith, okay? Now, again, I think it's part of it. I think, I think that the, the faith encompasses the mind, but it's not the mind alone. If that's all it is, is an affirming of facts about Jesus, it's not faith. Listen to what James says in James chapter 2, verse 19. He says, you believe that God is one. In other words, you believe this fact about God, that there's, there's one God. He says, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder, okay? Hey, every demon in hell affirms facts about God, but they don't have faith, okay? See, there's a difference. So it's not, it, it involves the mind, but it's not the mind alone. I think faith also involves the heart or the emotions, at Lincoln Avenue, we talk a lot. You're going to hear us talk about treasuring Jesus, okay? You're going to see shirts here at Lincoln that says, uh, Sean's got one on today. It says, Jesus is better than anything, okay? We've used, Andrew's used that in our student ministry for a long time. Just, and the, the heart behind that, the principle behind that is, is that we have seen the glory of Jesus and, and we are stirred in our hearts, okay? We're stirred in our hearts to say, He is glorious. He is better. We're stirred up in us to say, we treasure Jesus Christ. I love a picture. We use this, this verse a lot. In Matthew 13, it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And it says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's hidden in the field, which a man finds and covers up. And then in his joy, notice, in his joy, he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Okay, now see, the, this guy, he, he finds a treasure. He comprehends. This is really valuable. But what is stirring inside of him? Joy. He goes back home, puts a for sale sign on everything he's got. And, and he's, he's smiling ear to ear while he does it. Why? Because he's been stirred emotionally to see that the treasure of the kingdom is more valuable than anything that I could lose or anything that I could give up. Folks, when, when, when Jesus was asked over and over in the New Testament, did you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? He would be asked all the time, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Do you know the most common answer? I, I haven't statistically proved this, but in my mind... I think the most common answer from Jesus was, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Why would he say that? Well, because faith involves an element of emotion, an element of, of heart, okay? An element of being stirred up to not only say, I see who he is, but oh man, he is good. You know, I see who he is, and oh man, I want him. I, I'm joyful to have him. He, he, he's awesome. There's an element of emotion, of treasuring, of valuing Jesus Christ. And then finally, there's also an element of the will. So, so what is faith? Faith is comprehending Christ with our mind. It, it, it's being stirred in our hearts to say, I see him and I love him. I want him. Okay. 
And then finally, it moves us in our wills, okay? It affects the, the, the mechanism of us that produces action, okay? All through the Bible, you're, you're going to see this. You're going to see people seeing the Lord Jesus, you're going to see Him believing, and you're going to see Him making some sort of move toward Him, okay? Some sort of action in their life. And again, the move is not a work. We're going to talk about this in a second. But, the, but, the, but, the, but, but it's a part of our will. We, we cannot trust in Him without being moved in the will as well. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must, okay, and then here's kind of a description of faith, believe that He exists... And that he rewards those who seek him. Okay? There's a couple things there. Believing Jesus is who the Bible says he is. And and, and then then knowing that, man, I'm going to seek him and and it's going to be good. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. There's a a move of the will there. Romans chapter 10 kind of describes the process of salvation uh, almost in a backward way. Okay? If If you look at, if it's 1, 2, 3, then it puts it as 3, 2, 1. But, but it starts out in, in Romans 10, verse uh, 13 says, saying, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then in verse 14 says, how are they going to call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they going to believe in whom, in whom they have not heard? Okay? So there's kind of a, uh, 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 the steps, I guess, or the way that faith works is we hear the gospel, we hear about Jesus, we believe, and then what do we do? If you really believe, what do you do? You, you call on him, don't you? You call on him. There's a response of the will. Now, again, here's where this gets tricky because if you'll notice in our passage, there's there's a clear emphasis that, look, salvation does not include your own good works, okay? It's, the gospel is, is not a gospel of, of works. There's, there's no work that you can do that in any way gains you favor or merit with, with, with God, with Christ. Faith is depending on Christ alone for all that you need in salvation and all that you need in all your life. Okay? It is depending on Christ alone. Verse 9 says, not as a result of works. Say? So by grace you've been saved through faith and all of that, all of it, faith, grace, all of it. Not a result of works. It's not something that you've done, okay? It comes back to God's grace. It comes back to, to we're, we're completely dependent on God's power to save us. Not as a result of works. You know, we're always trying to, and this is kind of the way that I think just in our sinful brokenness, we're always living in this world where, where we, how do I want to say this? We, uh, we try to put people in our debt. Okay? Now, maybe not consciously. Okay? Do, do you understand what I mean? We, we live in a world where if I have a relationship with Tony and, and I'm nice to Tony and, you know, whenever he needs something, you know, he calls me, which probably isn't very often because he probably doesn't need a whole lot from me. Uh, computer or I'm trying to think of anything I can do better than him. Uh, but anyway, let's say he, he, I know I have brought uh, Sean up lunch money one time at the school or something. I did that one time. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, I, I, you know, I try to respond to Tony and our friends. So when he needs something, I try to do this, you know, something for him. And then let's just say that there's a day where I need something. I'm like, hey, Tony, man, I, man, I need a big favor. Can you come over? And he's like, you know, I just don't have time. Okay, now all of a sudden, what comes out in me is, is going to tell the tale of whether or not I've expected something from him because of the way I've treated him. Because what, what's liable to happen? I'm liable to get kind of ugly about that, right? Kind of hurt about that. Now, what is, what is that exposing me? Well, that exposing me that, that when I think that I treat you a certain way, when I do certain things for you, that what? That I've earned something back. 
right? Now, again, most of us don't live our lives saying, okay, I'm going to say hi to you and be nice, but I expect this back, you know? Or, you know, I, I'm going I'm to open the door for you, but, okay, I'm writing that down, and you, okay. Well, we don't live in that world, but we're, we're just kind of unconsciously aware of the fact that if, if we treat people a certain way, if we do certain things, if we're nice to people, if, if we help out or whatever, that we automatically earn some merit. If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about here, right? Because this is a source of all kinds of marital conflict, right? It's because all of a sudden when, when our spouse does not respond in a certain way, you know, they don't help us, they're not, not, you know, then all of a sudden in our mind triggers a list, right? The list comes up, you know, did the dishes, walked the dog, took out the trash, you know, bought your flowers, uh, uh, said nice things, you know, and, and all that list comes up. And we're like, hey, come on, you know, you're not going to do it. I got all this on my list, you know, and then their list comes up, you know, and then, then we have the battle of the list, you know, who deserves what? And, I mean, we just we just live in that world and, and we shouldn't. But 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 it's sin. It's part of our broken nature. But here's the really bad thing is that when we, when we apply that list to God, OK, oh, it really falls apart there. You know, when, when we begin to expect God's God, and man, there are people, I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding, millions of them out there who right now are thinking, if I die, it's going to be okay. And you know what they're banking on? Their list. I'm a nice person. I try to do good things. I, I, don't, I don't kill people. I try to treat people fair. You know, the other day I was on the highway and I stopped and I changed that lady's tire and she tried to offer me money and I didn't take it. And I'm friendly. And they, they got their list. And subconsciously, consciously, whatever. But that, that's what they're banking on. And, and, and Paul is just trying to say, no, 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 no. Don't bank on that. Don't live that way. Don't think that way. Don't think that you, that you have works that are in some way make God beholden to you. That, that earn you some kind of rights with him. Folks, it's not of works. We have nothing. We have nothing that can produce any kind of merit or work with God. And that's why boasting is, is so horrible to God. Okay? Now, notice what he says there. By grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, that no one may boast. Okay? That no one can, can think in their heart, man, I did this, and, and here's my works, and God ought to be impressed. Or you know what we do sometimes? We do sometimes in our hearts, we'll see somebody whose life is a wreck. And our life's not a wreck. And God's done this great work in us. And we'll look at them. And maybe we don't voice this because we know we shouldn't. But in our hearts, we think that there's something in us that was better. And that's why we're saved and they're not. That's why we got it together and they don't. That's sin. That's a lie. That's wrong. You know why? Because we see very clearly here, by grace you have been saved. Now, I'm sure there's going to be people out there who are going to argue. They're going to want to push back on that. They're going to be like, hold on, Pastor. I know we're saved by grace, but, you know, we kind of have our part. And God has his part. You know, and and we do these things. And, you know, there's something in me that just kind of knew that this was right. And, you know, I got my works. No, you don't. You're saying, Pastor, I know before I was saved, I was a good guy. I did good things. You know that we just we don't see it like we ought to see it. Number one, our motive isn't right. Because you know what Hebrews eleven six says? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I don't care what you did before your salvation. If it was not done by, by faith in Jesus Christ, it was not it was not pleasing to God. 
And number two, it's not the works that God has prepared. We're, we're going to look here in a minute in verse 10. It talks about the works that God has prepared for us. Okay? And, and, and if it was not by faith, it was not God's works. You know, Haven, Haven wants to be really helpful around the house, especially when Emma is cooking. But here's the thing about Haven. Number one, her motives, now she doesn't know this because she's two, but her motives are not pure, okay? In other words, her motives are not, my mother is stressed out, she's overwhelmed, she's carrying this heavy load, let me help her. That's not Haven's motives for cooking, okay? Haven's motives for cooking is, this is fun, all right? Hey, there's batter, there's, there's tools, there's utensils, okay? And number two, the works that she does are not Emma's works, okay? They're not works that are truly helpful, okay? What she likes to do is push the chair up. She's all about chairs. She can get into anything in our house because she's always pushing chairs somewhere, you know? Push, climb, get into, okay? Countertop, all over, you know? But she'll push a chair up. She'll get up there if Emma's making something, whatever she's making, whatever she's got in batter, and she knows where the utensils are. She'll open the utensils doors. She'll get out all kinds of utensils. She will stick them in whatever Emma's cooking, you know, and then she'll put them back in the drawer, okay? That's her way of helping, okay? Now, number one, the motive is not pure, and number two, it's not really a good work, okay? I don't wonder if a lot of our lives before Christ are just that way, you know? We're doing these things, but really... Our motive is not faith in Christ. Our motive is not delight in Christ. Our motive is not joy in Christ. Our motive is not the exaltation of Christ. It's something else. It's, I know if I'm a good people person, that gets me places. It's true, isn't it? True. We know that. I know if I'm, if I'm nice to, to, to the waitress, she's probably not going to spit my food back in the back, you know? And I just know that. I mean, that, that's a good thing, you know? I mean, they're, they're just principles of life. Then I, I just, you know, be, be kind to others, be polite, and get you places. It's the right way to be, and, and there's a lot of that that's just true, okay? It's the wrong motive, and it's not the works that God has planned for us. All right, so, so we're not saved by works. However, okay, now we're shifting gears. However, when a person is saved, there will be, there must be, there, there's a necessity that good works flow from the salvation. Okay, now... Got to get that right. Okay. Are the works getting us salvation? No. Why? Because by grace have you been saved through faith. Okay. Are there good works in a Christian's life? Has to be. If there's not, you're in big trouble. Okay. Something has gone horribly wrong in your Christian life. Because good works are going to flow from salvation. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Okay. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice it says, we are his workmanship. What is workmanship? That's a manufactured product. It's a work of art. It's a masterpiece. It's something God has created for a specific purpose. And it says, you are created in Christ Jesus. You're a new piece of machinery that God has created that, 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 he's, that he's, he, he is designed to produce good works. And so when you're a believer, you've got you to realize you've been redesigned. And you've been redesigned specifically for the purpose of good works. Okay? God, God has designed you that way. God has made you that way. Now, these are not our works. They're, they're works of faith. They're works of when we depend on God and look to God and trust in God and look to Christ and treasure Christ. From that flows God's good works, okay? The works that he has ordained. The life of faith is uniquely designed to produce good works. We got out for the first time in quite a while our, uh, our apple peeler core slicer. Anybody got one of those? I think Pampered, uh, Pampered Chief sells them. Uh, I know it's Pampered Chef, but Pampered Chief, I like to say that. 
it's a great, you know, if, if you didn't know what it was, there'd be no way, I don't think I would ever figure it out, what does this thing do, okay? But it is specifically designed, okay, to, to peel an apple, core it, and slice it, all in about, I don't know, five seconds. We pulled it out yesterday, Emma was making a bunch of stuff for, for the, the Christian Academy banquet, and man, Haddon was super, I mean, this guy, I think he's maybe going to be a cook now after this, this one piece of machinery, because he just thought that was so incredible, and, and it is. But, but when you look at it, I mean, it's designed specifically to do that, and I don't think it will do anything else but that. I mean, it's not useful for anything else, okay? I don't think you do anything in the world with it but that, okay? I mean, it's, it's, it's designed to core and peel and slice, okay? In the same way, when, when you're born again, okay, you're redesigned, you're re-engineered, okay? God, God fills you with His Spirit. He gives you this life of faith. He awakens your mind to see the glory of Jesus. You're specifically designed in such a way where good works, God's good works, are going to flow out of your life. And, and they're necessary, folks. They are necessary, since faith grabs onto the promises of God and the spiritual realities of God, it, it's got to change your life. There's no way for salvation not to change your life. If you're a person here today and you believe that you've been saved, but, but it's not changed your life, it's not transformed your life, there's no good works that are flowing from it, man, you need to take a good look at where you are in Christ. Because this should be happening. Okay? Let's give an example here. Take Noah. Okay? You got Noah. In, in, in the Old Testament, uh, for 120 years, Noah did these good works of God. The good work of God that, that Noah did, and this was God's idea, it was God's work, was to build an ark. Okay? How did Noah get there? Well, Noah got there by faith. Okay? God spoke to Noah. God revealed himself to Noah. He revealed the future to Noah. And because Noah believed, because Noah believed that in the future, uh, a century from now, there's going to be a flood, a worldwide flood, because that, that future unseen reality, Noah grabbed onto it by faith. And here's what faith does. Faith makes something in the future a present reality. And so for Noah, hey, it may be a century off. It may be we don't have any evidence, physical evidence for it. But Noah believed, and so that future reality became a present reality. It was real to him. Real to him. Listen to what Hebrews 11 one says. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Okay? So this thing that's not seen in Noah's life is a present reality. And so you know what that does? That changes his life. Out of Noah, all of a sudden, flows woodworking 101. Okay? And for 120 years, Noah builds this massive ark. Why? Because he's a man of faith. Wouldn't that have to change his life? Let me ask you a question. What if Noah builds no ark? Does he believe? I don't think he does. You say, man, how can you judge him? Well, look, if God tells you this thing, if God reveals himself to you, and it does not move your will, and there's no good works that flow from it, I don't think you believe. He wouldn't have believed, would he? If if he didn't build the ark? I mean, that would have said something about Noah's life. Enter Michelle. In three seconds, the the, the bottom legs of that pew are going to pop out, and that thing's going to fall to the ground. One, two, three. They did not believe. They did not trust me, did they? Now, probably because they knew it was a sermon illustration, probably because they have confidence in the pew. Maybe they're just tired. Maybe Andrew doesn't care. I don't, I don't know. There's lots of different reasons for why they didn't jump up. But, but I mean, bottom line. Bottom line, isn't it? it if, if, if God reveals something to us, 
and we don't, we don't act upon that, we didn't believe. We didn't believe him, did we? If I tell you tomorrow that at 10 a.m. at 9th in Oklahoma, there's going to be an armored truck there, and they're going to be handing out $100 bills, as many as you want. We'll know who believed me by who shows up at 9th in Oklahoma, right? If you don't show up, the, I mean, there'd be, I guess there'd be two options. Number, number one, probably the big one, you, you did not trust that I was sincere. You, did not trust, you didn't believe me. Uh, you didn't trust my character. You didn't trust I knew what I was do- talking about. Or number two, you don't care about money. I guess that could be, that could be the other option there. But, but bottom line, right? Faith will produce certain works. If we have no works in our, in our life, there's something wrong with our faith. James chapter 2, verse 17. So faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's dead. It's a dead faith. You know, I was thinking about how to, how to close this, how to wrap this up today. Really, every sermon preached here is in some way a call to faith, isn't it? It's, it's in some way a realization that God is, is this God of grace. That He is this God who is, who is rich and full in mercy, ready to dump out. And that the way to connect ourselves to that is by faith. Really, I, if we preach about marriage, if we preach about sin, if we preach about parenting, if we preach about family, if we preach about hope, whatever. Really, it's all a call to faith, isn't it? I mean, it's all a call to, to say, look, look to Christ. Depend on Christ. Engage your mind and your, your heart and your will to embrace and hold on to the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And so we'll just end that way. For whatever you need today, whether that's salvation, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's eternal life, whether it's problems in your family, whether what, whatever thing in your job, whatever it is, I mean, here's, here's the reality. God is a God of grace. And the way to connect to that grace is by faith. The Bible is a call to faith. It's a call to see who He is, to treasure Him, to love Him, to grab onto Him and to follow Him. You do that today. Father, I thank You for, for giving us grace. God, for, for pouring Your grace into our lives. Thank You, Jesus, for faith. I, I pray that you, You'd give faith today. Give it to, give it to us, Lord. Help us to, to believe, to trust, to hold on to your, your sufficiency for all that we need. And Father, I pray that good works would flow from our lives as we, as we look to you, as we trust you, as we depend on you, as we focus on you. Father, I pray that the good works that, that you have prepared for us before the foundation of the world would flow out of our lives and that we would give glory to your name. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.